relaxing this week with not very much to talk about, but just about enough to justify recording. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, welcome to episode 146 of Hand of Pod with Peter Coates, Hello. the provider of this week's living room, and Andres Bruckner. Hello. Welcome back, Andres. Um, Joel was going to join us this week, but unfortunately he's been unable to, he's been called away at the last minute to an interview with a mysterious person who he's refused to tell me the name of. He claims it's Lionel Messi, but um, I'm 99% certain that he was taking the piss. Um <laughs> We've got some stuff to talk about. We've, we've been away, as I said, for two weeks, and uh, we're going to start off with the stuff that's happened in the Primera División during that time, um, because there have been two matches, of course. We last spoke just after River Plate had won the Donnell Final Championship. Um, the following Saturday, the 24th of May, the day before Argentina's birthday, or one of Argentina's birthdays, because I never seem quite sure whether it's the 25th of May or the 9th of July, um, and indeed the day before River Plate's official birthday, which is also the 25th of May, um, they took on San Lorenzo de Almagro, the winners of, the, of last year's Torneo Inicial, in the Estadio Juan Funes de la Punta, according to Universal Football. I didn't know that de la Punta bit was um, there, but anyway, in uh, San San Luis. Luis province. Thank you, I stop myself from saying San Lorenzo again then. Um, and River got a 1-0 victory with uh, Germán Petzela uh, heading the only goal of the game from a Manuel Lancini free kick. Lancini's making a bit of a habit of setting goals up for free kicks um, to claim the Copa Campeonato, which doesn't mean anything. It's just a cup title this year. Um, Andres? Well, uh, let's say that uh, it... It means something which is to continue with the success, with, with, which means not, of course, a, a title or something. It's not the final, because when you talk about finals, you might, might talk about a, a, a final match from other matches. Mm. In that case, it was a, a, an only match that uh, what uh, defined was that River... Uh, reach the Copa Sudamericana in which they will play against Colón Cruz in the second round and apart from that um, uh, I think that uh, no they, they, they reached the Copa Libertadores winning the torneo final of course yeah San Lorenzo if they'd won it would have uh, entered next year's Copa Libertadores as a result of it although in fact San Lorenzo uh, no they're not did they because they lost to Vélez of course on the on the last day of the uh, torneo final um so San Lorenzo have more to play for than River, but River got the win. It's all very confusing. Yeah. Although San Lorenzo still being in the Copa Libertadores may qualify as... Yes, if they win it, then, then they'll win it. 
sorry, what what I was going to say and I was thinking while you were talking right now was that they also uh, gained uh, gained uh, right to play a super another final against the winner of the Copa Argentina, which is the Super Copa Argentina. Yeah, we've got the, the, the Copa Campeonato, which is still widely referred to this year as the Super Final, even though it's actually not being called that by the AFA. Um, and then, of course, we have, as Andres says, the Super Copa, which is another match between the winners of two competitions, or, or three competitions, I suppose. <laughs> it's all very confusing. And today it was confirmed, apart from the uh, tournament, uh, which, which will include 30, 30 teams, uh, It was because it was it had to be released in an, in a, like the official official bulletin or something like that, in which it was confirmed confirmed that tournament and apart from that an, another tournament which is a, a champions tournament or, or torneo de campeones. So this um, the new league structure has been confirmed then. Yes, yes. and release the fixtures for the, for the. I saw that they released the fixtures for the torneo transition. Uh, day or two ago, I think there must have been leaps because one of my friends put Rivers ones up on Facebook um, a couple of days ago um, but it, it has been added another tournament an extra tournament which is Champions, Champions Tournament to be played from June where we, 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 don't, we won't have a physical place or, 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 or time to, to play that cup mm. it will be also Copa America uh, during that period I think So it will be very, very tight, and again, tight calendar. So we'll get on to that later. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the new impending new league structure later. He rolls his eyes as he says it. Um, but it has been an interesting couple of weeks for River, because as well as these two trophies, well, there are actually three trophies, because they also won, as Peter reminded me, This is how much of a rabid River fan I am. I completely forgot about it. That's the importance it has. The, uh, the Copa Banca BBVA um, in Mexico City, in the Estadio Azteca, against Boca Juniors. This was the super classico friendly that we talked about to bring some money into the coffers of both teams a while ago. They won it on uh, penalties, didn't they, after a 1-1 draw. Yeah. Um, There are a couple of things to say about that. The first is, of course, that it doesn't matter at all, and we're not counting it as a trophy. It's just silly. Um, the, well, it matters in terms of the club's bank balance, as we mentioned. That's the only thing. Um, and the other thing that I found whilst watching it, um, because I had nothing else to do on Saturday evening, so I thought I might as well watch it since I'm at home and the television's on, um, was that, as we mentioned before, it was originally going to be played in Cancun. Yeah. And they moved it to the Azteca, presumably to sell more tickets they don't appear to have sold any more tickets it was quite that's bizarre. exactly what I was thinking I think 35-40,000 people there maybe but in a stadium the size of the Azteca it looked basically empty right I think it was moved from venue to venue because of a, a, another event that was taking place in Cancun oh really okay and, and I think or baseball or something like that and that was that motivated the change of the venue uh, in the DF in Mexico DF in, or DF instead, instead of Cancun Right. Yeah. But it's strange because, I mean, if that's the case, because I, I'm sure I read something at the, at the time when they were going to try and switch it to, to the Azteca, the original promoters or whoever had agreed to have the game in Cancun were so upset they were talking about taking legal action against the move. Because oh, they really? Were, yeah, so I, mean, I don't know what, what went on, but yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought when I was watching it. Why have they moved this to 
an absolutely massive stadium, which now looks ridiculous given that there's a quarter of the capacity, well, less maybe. Sorry, and, and talking only to, to, to mention that, talking about overseas deals and, and strange markets. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. The Boca, uh, Chalisi pres uh, the, the Boca president, Daniel Chalisi, talked on radio today and said that they are looking for a Chinese player. Yeah, it's not only Boca. Um, Mauricio Macri, the former Boca Juniors president and current mayor of Buenos Aires, uh, has announced that the government of the city of Buenos Aires, and this is, you suspect, something slightly political going on here as well, because of course they're the biggest political opposition to the national government, um, are going to offer support to the, the biggest, no, it's not the big five, of course, because Independiente and Racing play outside the city, um, so they're offering support instead to the, uh, the, the what they see as the biggest four, I guess the biggest four of the Primera clubs located inside the city. River, Boca, San Lorenzo and Vélez Sarsfield. Um, he said that he's going to help them with uh, loans or financial help of some sort if any of those clubs want to look uh, for a Chinese player. It's also something that Rodolfo Donofrio said last year during the River presidential elections was that he would like to try and bring in a Chinese fullback. Uh, to River because <laughs> there was a really silly quote Joel tweeted a story about it earlier and there was a very silly quote from Donofrio in there saying China is a country of 140 million people if, if we can just get 1% of that market then it will be huge and of course the, the spirit of what he says is right albeit it's going to be very 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 hard to get 1% of the Chinese market um, but I don't know what years Almanac he'd been looking at to come along with that population figure for China because it must have gone through that in about 1920 or 1930. <laughs> and, and, and Boca had a failed, uh, failed uh, mark. Um, uh, he, he had already a, a, a player from Asia, the, well, the Japanese uh, Takahara, and, and it didn't uh, work. At least I think it didn't work, even uh, in the uh, financial uh, purpose, which was the main purpose, not the sports, not the Takahara to score. Uh, 20 or 30 goals, but to Japanese people watching Takahara play Boca at Boca. So that was the purpose, I think, and it, it didn't work. Now they are looking for Chinese players. Well, Indeed. Sorry if you can hear the clicking. I'm uh, looking up historical population figures for China. <laughs> so I was just fascinated by uh, this bizarrely out-of-date figure that Donofrio appeared to have. Um, it's a thoroughly silly idea, anyway. Do we think he's going to help the level of the Argentine Primera? Well, obviously not. That's not what they're thinking about. Though. No, quite openly not. Um, no disrespect, man, of course, to any uh, listeners in China. I think we've got maybe two. Uh, it depends who, who shares the podcast on their own website. So I think WordPress is, is partially blocked in China. So I don't think that the blog itself goes out. But I know that Window Abbey Celeste sometimes sharing gets a couple of Chinese listeners for us. Um, so no disrespect meant if you're a Chinese listener. But we suspect that um, the players from China who Argentine clubs could afford to pay the wages of, even with some help from the city government, are probably not going to um, help the, 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 the level of the Argentine league too much, and they're probably not going to help the Argentine clubs to, uh, to sell many, many shirts either. Well, I think that perhaps one, one good thing about this is that... Uh, Chinese uh, market uh, perhaps open doors to, to River and Boca and they offer to play River Boca there in, I don't know, Pekin perhaps I am, I am saying this as a 
I, I am uh, like imagination, not uh, of course. I, I don't think that it, this will happen, but perhaps I know uh, in, uh, they play in Mexico, and, and that perhaps brings another ideas of other markets. And if they uh, finally bring Jap uh, Chinese players, that will perhaps open open the door to another event or something like that. Mm. I have uh, one little mention on Wikipedia that uh, the Black Death in the 14th century killed 25 million people in China, which at the time was about 30% of the population, which means that China would have had a population of more or less 80 million people in the 14th century. So, safe to say, I think that... Uh, oh, there we go. Before the Mongol invasion, Chinese dynasties reportedly had approximately 120 million inhabitants. So D'Onofrio's uh, statistics are roughly seven centuries out of date. Well done. Go. Well done, Rodolfo. What um, an impressive podcast this is, is that you get... Oh, yeah. Obviously, we look into all of the most Argentine football analysis, but also Chinese history. We look into all of the most... Uh, important issues facing the game in Argentina um, on which notes of course the super final and the subsequent River Boca uh, money spinning friendly were not the only um, matches to take place since we last recorded that were of some moment to hand pod listeners we also had as well as the super final the desempate that's the Spanish word for tiebreaker or the Argentine Spanish word for tiebreaker anyway um, in Rosario Central's stadium, El Gigante del Arroyito. Uh, I'm going to hate myself listening back to this tomorrow. I always hate listening to myself speaking Spanish. Um, in between Colón and Atlético de Rafaela, the winners, it was very simple, would stay in the Primera for another 18 months. <laughs> Once this uh, new structure that we're going to talk about in a minute comes through, um, the losers would drop down to the B for six months. Um, possibly or possibly for 18 months if they failed to come up um, if it had been a draw it was going to go to penalties but it was not a draw it was a 1-0 victory for Ramiro Atletico de Rafaela Rodrigo de Petris headed the only goal of the game about 11 minutes into the second half and what else can we say I'm struggling to remember yeah, it was a week and a half ago Andres, anything? <laughs> well, in that match was uh, the, the the one who dominated the match was clearly Atletico Rafaela. So in that match, or if they were in a, in a situation very t in a very tight situation, that that match uh, of course broke the tie, like you said, like tiebreaker. Well, in that case, the the, the match played by Atletico Rafaela was far more much better from. Cologne and they, I think they finally deserved the, the, the remaining in the, in the first division. The only thing I, I do remember actually, just trying to cast my mind back, was there was a ridiculous sending off in this, wasn't there? And Cologne had. Oh, Jacobo Matsisha was sent off for a. Just like jumping. It was a straight red card for something that I can't remember what it was now, but. Wasn't it just an aerial I challenge? do remember when it happened thinking that's a booking at worst. Um, it was it was quite bizarre. That was in the 65th minute. They were already one 0 down by that point, but um, it so, meant they yeah, had to play 25 minutes chasing the game. Yeah, uh, without the manager as well, because uh, Osella Diego Osella had been sent off at half time for arguing with the ref. Um, well, if he hadn't been sent off already, I think he would have been when. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he would have been Yes, very probably. 
Um, so it's goodbye to Colon. We've lost you from um, well from the main bit of Hand of Pod um, for the next six months, as we say. Um, it could be hello again to Independiente because they've done all right since we last recorded, haven't they, Peter? They have played two games, I think, since we last recorded. Yeah, well, it's a, it's it's three games, it's three wins on the trot, I think. Yeah. It is indeed. Yes, yeah, three, three wins, three two one wins. Yeah. Uh, turning round the the result. Yeah. All yeah, they've fallen behind in all of them, mm. and crucially, Banfield, by the way, have claimed the B Nacional title. That's Matias Almeida's second second division title in his um, in his three year managerial three year. No, what am I talking about? Four year. No, three year managerial career. Yeah, yeah. twenty eleven he took over a River, and it's twenty fourteen now. Um, so well done, well done him and well done Banfield. Deserved winners of the, the title, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Defensive Justicia have 72 points. They, of course, along with Banfield, they both got promoted on the same weekend a few weeks ago. Um, but now we've got a right ding-dong. It's down to the last two teams for the third promotion spot. Those two teams are Independiente and Huracan. Independiente came from behind to get a 2-1 win again. Institutos. It was Institutos the last game, was it? Yeah. Thank you, good. Um, and at the same time, Huracan... I'm saying whether I can remember this, they were held to a nil-nil draw, weren't they? Or did they lose one nil? No, they... I'm going to bring it up. It was a couple of hours previous to the Independiente game, for some reason. Because Independiente could have gone up, of course, if Huracan had uh, lost. Oh, that's right, oh. they didn't lose. They, they Huracan won one nil with a great free against, kick. Against Union. Um, I didn't see the free kick. Who was it? Martinez was yeah. his yeah. first name. Gonzalo. Uh, Gonzalo, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's an excellent free kick. I <laughs> um, mean, Union finished with nine men, so... But they were one, one nil down with nine men, and at that point, anyone with a following for Independiente was like, okay, well, we're not going to be quiet today, but yeah. we still have a, a, a considerable amount of pressure on us now, given that with that result, uh, would have kind of actually taken, had gone into third. Indeed. Um, as we say, Independiente played Instituto a couple of hours afterwards. It was in Cordoba. Um, it kicked off with independent with Oregon on sixty four points, with having played their, their game already, with Independiente on sixty three and with Instituto on sixty two. So an Instituto win would have put Instituto into third place. Um, a draw would have put them one behind um, Oracan and left Independiente down in, in fifth. And at half time it was looking not very good for Independiente. Instituto were 1-0 up. They were third place as it stood. And Independiente weren't going to be out of the promotion battle, but they were not looking particularly strong in it either. They'd have had two teams above them. Um, tell us how they turned it round in the second half, Peter. <coughs> well, the, the game itself was kind of classically <laughs> Independiente this season, really. It wasn't particularly convincing. Uh, as I said, they were 1-0 down, and, and uh, Rodriguez had a lot... Had, was probably the busier of the goalkeepers it's fair to say um, and I guess the, the turning point was um, Rolfi Montenegro's Golazzo mm. which obviously brought Independiente level um, and then I, th- I think from then it, Independiente were, were on top but I mean it, it took that moment of individual brilliance which I think has been a thing with Independiente all, all season is that when you look at their team there's a lot of in, the individual players in there you think well they, they are perhaps still Primera players and I think Independiente haven't really played very well as a, as a unit all season mm-hmm. and rely on, on individual moments like that to, to win the matches 
and uh -huh. Instituto plays I don't, I don't know if 20 or 25 minutes with uh, one less man uh, yeah. 10 men uh, and so, some said that it was very suspicious the way that the Instituto like went down uh, went back to the to their boxers and Independiente uh, was like dominating the whole the whole match the whole, uh, during that ma that minutes the last minutes and I, I say that Instituto was looking uh, too for the for the promotion, so it, it is very. Some of the doubts came about because Instituto's manager Daniel Jimenez had said before the game, or a week or so before the game, oh, we're not ready to go up yet. Anyway, if we go up, we'll come straight back down because the players aren't at first division level and everything. And there were some people saying he's trying to prepare the ground for throwing the game against Independiente. <laughs> and and is a, a, a one that knows is known because. Uh, I, I don't know if he was in the in, in a in a board member of Independiente or he's near the board. Uh, said that well, it's all fixed, it's all done, in order for Independiente to uh, get the promotion. So it was taken as a as a as a phrase like uh, fixed because of, of of giving money to Instituto uh, to let Independiente win or something like that, but. Uh, Instituto was also, uh, of course, perhaps Jimenez said that they weren't prepared or they weren't they weren't ready to to, to get the promotion because, uh, uh, but yes, it's it's strange. You perhaps uh, don't motivate your players like that, uh, but um, until the, the the Montenegro goal, they were in the third position, ready to to get the promotion. So. It's, it's, it's very strange. Most games in Argentina can at some point via social media be linked to some kind of conspiracy theory, though. I, mean, I think it's fair to say that any time... Particularly in Argentina. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly, that's what I mean. And like, any, especially when it's one of the big five, uh, if they win, you can find a link to a previous manager or player from the team and, and, and say, oh, yeah, they, they helped out and they did this, but... The, the, whenever the result uh, will uh, have the match, there will be suspicious things or, or 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 something not very normal about the match. Any any if Independiente lost, they will have said that Independiente uh, didn't have uh, what it takes to, to, to get the promotion. They draw anything else, and well, Independiente finally won, and and, and it will it will be said obviously that. Something suspicious. Yeah, uh, it's always like that, and, and uh, you, of course, you never will, will, you will never have the proof or, or, or something to to demonstrate that there was uh, something fixed, and that's why I think that uh, everyone can say what they want, and, and and perhaps it will be repeated by, by others, and, and if you can uh, you can prove that. Uh, well, you can't say that every match is fixed. I guess we should also point out that absolutely three minutes from time, Benko stabbed home the, the winning goal in Cordoba. So was that from a penalty, uh, from a corner? Yeah, like bobbled. Yes. It just missed it, it was the sitter and yeah, then it bobbled right. around and he's, he sort of yeah, poked it over the goalkeeper. Yeah, they had two corners in the space of about ten seconds, yeah, which the was first the first thing I found slightly suspicious. And, <laughs> the first one was dreadfully, 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 d
it depends how you manage to miss that. And apart from <laughs> that, the first thought, so sorry. supposing that it was uh, something, uh, match, the match was fixed. It's very risky, risky to make Independiente win in the very last minute of the match, in the 43rd minute of the second half, because until until that it was not very, uh, very safe. Uh, uh, the win, the win wasn't uh, sure. So mm. uh, to to make in the Instituto score a goal, then Independiente to score two, but the second one in the very very end of the match, uh, and and having. Uh, to suffer like they are suffering because Independiente is suffering it's not yeah I was going to say if Independiente have bought their promotion two things one they've done a bloody good job about it in covering it yeah. <laughs> and two they've been fucking cruel given that Independiente's fans have had to watch some absolute shit if for months if you're going to fix Independiente and up in the third position in the last weekend so Hats off to uh, the riggers if they have managed to do that. And you are convinced that they are going to sneak up in the in uh, third position. Maybe well, you think they're there. The situation now is that uh, the fixtures that Independiente have, um, or more specifically the fixture that Huracan have, is against one of the teams in the relegation battle, uh, Almirante Brown, which means that we're going to have four games, all played at 3pm on Saturday um, in the second division to end the second division season. Those are Independiente versus Patronato de Paraná, Ferrocarril Oeste versus Brown de Adrogué, Almirante Brown, not the same team, versus Huracán, and Gimnasia de Jujuy versus Aldo Civi. Um, the two promotion ones, of course, Independiente and Huracán. If Independiente win, they're up. Uh, if they draw, then they need Huracán to not win, because Independiente have a two-point two cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, if Independiente lose and Huracán win, Huracán go up. If Independiente draw or can win, we have a tie-break. There'll be no nerves for that one at all, will there? Two teams who are both desperate to get back into the top flight. Um, that one could prove quite entertaining, particularly if you don't support either of them. Well, it's better to have tiebreaker in order to know who will get up, who will pro- be promoted, than uh, to, to, to know who will be relegated. I think the, the, the worst thing that could happen to you is that you're still in... National B and, and the, the world thing is, I think in Independiente's case at least that would of feel course. like relegation though wouldn't it yes of course yeah, absolutely yeah. but so it's not the same like Colón Rafaela which uh, no sure uh, of course it was a drama because the one that lost uh, uh, with a very good uh, tournament with 30 points and wasn't enough because of the previous seasons uh, to to uh, yeah, I think ordinarily you're absolutely correct. But like Sam said, I think in Independiente's case, it's like yeah. if it went to a playoff and they lost a playoff to remain in, that would be even though worse or, or as bad or even worse than relegation yeah. in the first. Yes, even though that they can uh, uh, promote uh, in the next uh, uh, tournament because they ha- they will have there will be, be ten promotions. Of course, the the Racing fans will be. Supporters will be, of course, voting about it. Mm. Um, I mentioned at some point, and we got interrupted, uh, I can't remember by what we got sidetracked, but uh, I mentioned that it's been an active couple of weeks for River, because as well as these extra trophies, that's right, I interrupted myself, because I mentioned the uh, Super Classico in Mexico, um, as well as the, uh, the Donel Final, followed by the Copa Campeonato, 
the Copa Campeonato, by the way, is, is another aside, interrupting myself again. Um, the trophy that's awarded for that is the old, traditional Argentine First Division trophy. Um, you'll remember that last season, a year ago, Vélez Sarsfield played Newell's Old Boys, and it was the season-defining trophy. You'll remember possibly that a week or two after that, the AFA issued a statement saying, no, it doesn't count as a league trophy after all, because everyone's been taking the piss out of us. Um, the AFA never actually changed their, reg- their uh, regulations for the season, which means that although it was only one match, ridiculously, Vélez do are able to count it as a league title. Um, River don't do that this year because the regulations were changed for this season, so it is just a cup title as it should be. Um, in spite of the fact that it's the trophy itself um, is the traditional trophy handed to the champions of Argentina, um, so it's an extra cup. It's very nice for River. So to put it clear, River has 35 titles, not 36. Hmm. River have 35 titles in the league, including the one championship that they won in the amateur era. They count 35 titles in the professional era because they count the Copa de Oro of 1936, which was also a cup trophy. Um, for some reason, lots of historians, including the AFA uh, and River, have have recorded that as a league championship when it wasn't. Um, they did win the, the league championship in 1936 as well, but the Copa de Oro was a cup trophy, um, and it doesn't count. So River's 35, the, the number they went out with on their backs after they won the final, is correct, but not for the reason they think it is, because you have to include the amateur era title. And obviously, River having only won one title in the amateur era, they don't like to remember the amateur era. They they try and brush it under the carpet. They're not like um, say Racing, who won a whole load of titles in the amateur era. Racing fans are or absolutely mad on the amateur era being uh, counted equally. As indeed am I, in spite of being a River fan, because that's what it should be. Um, for more details about this, Esteban Beckerman is the man to ask on Twitter. He's my Argentine football history teacher yes, I'm, I'm doing his course and, at the moment and, and, and he will be mine also because I, uh, I, I know about the history not so much so mm. I, I recommend this course I've, I've been doing it for a few weeks it's, it's very enjoyable and interesting um, anyway the other reason that it's been a very interesting couple of weeks to be a River Plate fan is that days after the, the Super Final win against San Lorenzo stop pointing at me Peter I'm not going to be sidetracked now I've, I'm going to remember to say this um, Ramon Diaz surprised everybody by resigning as River Plate manager, um, which did rather balls up the end to Joel Richards' book. River gave him the happy ending by winning the league title, sort of nicely wrapped up, and then Diaz goes and walks out just before Joel finishes his first draft. Um, let's deal with the Diaz resignation before we get on to his replacement, which has been confirmed in literally within the hour before we started recording this evening. Um, what did you make of it? Gentlemen, so I'll let the river, the river fans discuss that. <laughs> it's it's very hard because uh, you have to put something in the like do it like a balance uh, or uh, to to make like compa- compare what what is the 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 most uh, the, the, the the most winner coach the most winner coach in the history of river. And uh, doing something like th- like that, which is leaving River uh, in a moment in which the supporters, uh, board, uh, him- himself also were uh, uh, all with champagne, uh, celebrating the, the title, and, and it's a strange way he left because uh, uh, apparently 
according to, 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 the, to the, of course, board members, they met in order to decide the, the, the players that will uh, be out from River and who will uh, be signed mm. uh, about the pre-season, uh, a lot of things that apparently Ramon Diaz didn't leave uh, them to to to, to talk. Uh, they apparently they after half an hour or something like that uh, in 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 apparently good mood uh, meeting, he said that he would leave. Uh, it's strange because you, you will never say the reasons. Is uh, 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 even though that there are. There it, it has been said that it was because power, because Francesco now was as the uh, in order uh, in charge of the not the manager. How you say it in in, in, in a way that uh, like the sporting director, sport, sporting uh, director Francesco in in this case. Uh, that he he was a very heavy man in order to take decisions, and that didn't like Ramon Diaz. Because he wants to take Ramon Diaz did not like that. Yes. Uh, yes. Ramon Diaz didn't like the the the, the uh, arrival of Francesco to the sporting director director charge mm -hmm. and, and well uh, that that shows that how uh, selfish uh, people is uh, people are or in that in this case Ramon Diaz is I think he was a bit selfish and he thought about himself prior to River, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously no secret either throughout Donofrio's presidency that he's not been, um, that Ramon Diaz has not been Donofrio's favourite uh, manager. Donofrio has, has respected him, but there's not been much sort of joviality between them. Um, so from that point of view, perhaps not a surprise that Diaz has ended up not in the job, but it is surprising the manner in which it happened. Um, because I think after he won the league title, that was... He was fine for another six months if he wanted to stay. But the other day, sorry, the other day, Patanian, the vice president, one of the vice presidents of, of, of River, uh, said that the, that the way that they they won the elections, they would, uh, if they wanted, they would have uh, sacked Ramon Diaz, hmm. uh, fire him, uh, because they had the, the 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 votes from the socios yeah. that uh, led. Uh, Per, uh, let them do do something like that, uh, and they, they didn't did they, they didn't do that. So uh, they he repeated that it was uh, only uh, an only uh, a decision only taken by Ramon Diaz, not because not about the the, 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 the board members. Uh, that we know that they, they won uh, if they would have chosen a, a coach, Ramon Diaz wouldn't have been the, the chosen one. No, and now. We get to see who was the chosen one because, of course, River have had to name yes. uh, a replacement. Gerardo Martino was the dream, as Donofrio mentioned, almost as soon as Diaz had, um, had, had walked out. Uh, the dream is Martino. We know we can't get him, but you know we've got to ask him at least, otherwise it wouldn't be an ambitious um, board. And they did, and surprise, surprise, he said no. Um, they have now, today, um, this evening, announced uh, that Marcelo Gachardo... Um, will join the club as manager. He's going to be unveiled at midday on Friday. That means he'll already been unveiled probably by the time this is online. Um, what do we know about Gajardo as a manager, of course, as a, as a player legend at River um, in three different spells, I think it was. Um, 
as a manager so far, he's been in charge at Nacional in Uruguay. Won the title. He, he, I think he, he did something similar to Matias Almeida at River, that he uh, retired from, from football and, and immediately, I think, uh, took charge of the, well, as a co- as a, the, he was manager after retiring, perhaps. I don't remember exactly if, if it was like that, I think. Mm. He retired as a player in... Uh, yeah, 2011, and he pretty much immediately, in fact he was playing for Nacional, and he pretty much immediately took up the, the manager's job there. Um, he's won one title, I think, with them? Yeah, just one, right, one league title and then resigned now. Yes. Yeah. Well, similar situation like, like Ramon Diaz, of course, difference, tiny difference in t- number of titles, but uh, uh, did something similar in terms of, well, I won and I go. Indeed, yeah. Um, he actually, uh, yeah, he won the 2012 Uruguayan um, Championship, um, having won the 2011 one in his last season as a player as well, which is about number one, two, is it? Uh, apart from that, we, we don't know much about him. Uruguayan football does not get shown on television in Argentina. There is a, a wrap-up goal show, I think, on say that no one ever watches it, and I include myself in that. Um, but the matches themselves don't get shown so we can't say too much what does appear to be the case or what we've heard at least from the Uruguayan media um, <laughs> is that his sides are attacking very much in the, in the traditions of obviously of Nacional and also of, of River um, so I think we can look forward to a continuation I would guess of Diaz's philosophy perhaps with a slightly more modern bent on things given that he's not a 60-ish year old man who's he, he mentioned some time ago, in the, during, I think during an interview, that he mentioned two coaches that were influenced for, for him. Uh, one of them is, is uh, Bielsa, and I don't remember now the other one, but he said that he likes, if he, he's the coach of a team, he likes that team to play uh, first with the, the, what he taught uh, from the, those coaches, like, for example, Bielsa, and... He liked their teams to play like they played, like he played, uh, like he, with the ball position, possession, attacking, uh, with uh, uh, giving priority to, to, to attacking, and, and that stuff. In of course, that previously it looks um, it looks good, like uh, healthy, to have a coach like uh, him, with when he was a player was a, a, a very talented. Uh, Midfielder, uh, an enganche, to put it in, in, in other words, hmm. uh, and of course, what we will have to see if he had, has the, the necessary experience to to catch a, 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 a charge which is left by Ramon Diaz, now uh, a big man, a big a, a man with history. Well, he will have to to have his guts to to take the the, the place. His history with River, I was right, it was three spells. Uh, he's played 262 matches for River Plate and scored. Oh, let's see. Went into that without actually having worked it out first. Uh, 25 plus 38 is 63. 63 goals in 200. Did I say 200? Yes, I did. 262 matches for a playmaker. 
doesn't mention assists because Wikipedia never does, even though he's a player. 262 matches, 63 goals. Yes. It is. That's my very quick piece of maths based on the statistics less, on Wikipedia. You can add it, basically. A bit less than what that. A bit less. It's a bit less than one goal every four matches. Yeah. Which is midfield. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got history, as we say, he's a huge fan favourite at River. Um, and He was in there with the Doris winning side, huh? He was not. No. Yes, he was. Of course he was. Yeah, sorry, 93 to 99. It was his first spell at River. Yeah. Um, we also know who, who will get with him the, the, the entire team of the coach, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the technical, the, the, the squad uh, that will be with him. Yeah. Uh, that will be Matias Vizcay and Rambo Khan, which were players that. Uh, uh, shared a team with him at River, I think, uh, and uh, a woman, a woman that I don't, we, whose name I don't remember, but will be in charge of mental health of the players. No, I know if he's, she's a psychologist of, or similar, but uh, she will be focused on that, that work. As we say, a more modern-looking coach than yes. Ramon Diaz. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, I think it's uh, bizarre, isn't it, that we were talking just a couple of weeks ago, I think last time we recorded, about the fact that Argentine, the big clubs in Argentina tend to go for the same managers. They don't go for anybody who's looking at a more modern style of playing. And suddenly we've got arguably the biggest club in Argentina with a very young manager who's, who's only won one trophy and only been ma- in management for a couple of years, um, given, given one of the biggest jobs in the country. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Peter, what do you say? Uh, yeah, well, that in itself is is great. Though I think, yeah, like you said it would have been a bit tedious to see River turn to just another old <laughs> on old face. But, <laughs> yeah, or as I joked on Twitter, Caruso Lombardi. Yes, <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I but think it was a great. Self, I don't know, Andres just mentioned the word selfish when he was talking about Ramon Diaz, but it, it, it could potentially be a good time for Ramon Diaz to step away, having just won the title, um, and, and in, in, an, in, a, in a window where River could potentially lose a couple of sort of cornerstones of the side that just won the title in Balanta, could end up in Europe, uh, Carbonero, Carbonero, Carbonero. Um, is obviously really need to pay quite a lot of money to keep them. We've got a quote on our screen saying from Carlos Carbonero, I will decide my future after the World Cup. Well, that's obvious. So he won't, won't in other words, I'm buckering off. Yeah, after the World okay. Cup. But I mean, he was pretty crucial to River's championship winning side this time round, as, as is Belanta to their, to their defence. Um, and Manuel Lanzini, of course, who it says here, um, Gancedo, one of the River vice presidents, has said we're not going to sell him for less than he's worth. They're asking for ten million dollars from, and I quote, a Turkish club. Yeah, exactly. That was the other thing I was going to mention. I read earlier that an unnamed Turkish club was moving on Lansini. And if, if you took those three out of the River Championship winning side, then all of a sudden Gashado's job is a lot more difficult than perhaps it could be if he was just inheriting exactly the same side to yes. go into the Tunisian. No. Although, although they, are, they are talking to Pablo Aymar, what's an inclusion here would be to replace Lanzini. Well, I mean, with reservations given that <laughs> he 
Ruth kind of cancelled his own contract in was it in Malaysia? Yeah. And he and, and his, by his own words said about coming back to River, <coughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do it if physically I couldn't do it. And he, well, yeah. So they're going to talk him into doing it because they'll convince him that physically I'm <laughs> okay. pretty weak, which uh, weaker than Malaysian people. Who knows? I've never seen a Malaysian film. I wouldn't want to judge uh, based on no, the I mean, lack of any knowledge. I wouldn't want to upset people. any of our Malaysian uh, listeners. I see more probable Cambiaso to sign for River than Neymar. You think? It's of course. It's not probably. Probably it's not. They didn't even talk to him because they said, he, uh, uh, Francesco he, he said that they will they will wait until he, uh, for him to. Uh, get from holidays, and, and and they will talk with him and try to 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 convince him to 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 make him play for River because he will be I think free agent. He resigned. He his contract with uh, Inter expired and he's free to decide. Uh, but I see him more likely in terms of uh, well, Aymar of uh, was uh, asked. Once again, if he will like to play for River, he said that he will like would like to play for River, but not if he has to make passes to the border. Uh, like he he won't if he's not. He wants to play as a playmaker. He doesn't want to play as someone who's just charged yes. to switch it from one flank yes. to the other. Um, that's understandable. We're going to take a short break to refill glasses now, and when we come back. Uh, Uh, we'd better talk a little bit about the national team we're going to do a proper World Cup preview episode hopefully next Tuesday we'll record so that um, I can edit it on Wednesday and get it online that evening ahead of the World Cup actually kicking off on Thursday so the ones ones that want to be up to date with the news about the World Cup that will start next Thursday they will have online on Wednesday yes that's that's the idea Um, but we will talk just a little bit about Argentina's national team uh, after this next piece of music because of course we've got the final 23 now confirmed for the World Cup and we have a friendly to discuss albeit not a particularly interesting one very friendly don't let that undersell the second part of the podcast though don't go anywhere who were training for Argentina as pretty much everybody is going to know already because if you're listening to a football podcast of any bent then it's quite likely that you're interested in the World Cup Um, Monday was the deadline for the squad announcements which meant that three people had to be cut to form the final squad of 23 those three unlucky people were Jose Sosa Nicolás Nicolás Otamendi thank you Andres and Eder Banega uh, the latter of which was easily the most surprising, was he not? Yes, for or, <coughs> or was he? For people and for some media, uh, was was the most uh, surprise, uh, the, the, the biggest surprise. Uh, but if you understand uh, really the reasons of uh, that could have Sabella, uh, because. 
the reasons why he he took that decision, you you will not be so so surprised because no, it's surprising in that Ebo Banega um, was almost ever present yeah. throughout the the qualifiers. Apparently, um, of the non regular starters under Sabella, Banega is only surpassed in appearances by Ezekiel Lavezzi. Uh, Lavezzi has 14 and Banega got well 15 now to last night and Banega has uh, had 13 um, but his form's been very up and down for Newell's and the reason that came the goal I think leaked out of the, the coaching um, camp was that uh, Sabella did some tests or was paying a lot of attention in training to how quickly after re- after winning the ball the midfielders were able to move it on to Salamette and the Messi, obviously, that, that's who, uh, who, who that side of the midfield is going to, uh, to have the, the closest links with because whoever plays in Banega's position is going to be playing in essentially Fernando Gago's position at the start on the, the right of the midfield three. Um, and as a result, getting the ball to Messi particularly quickly and knowing whether to get it to his feet or into space, and likewise to Salamette, is going to be key because Argentina's attack is rapid. Um, as we saw again last night uh, against Trinidad and Tobago, which we'll get onto in a second. Um, and from that point of view, Enzo Perez and Augusto Fernandez um, and Lucas Piglia all beat Banega. Ricky <laughs> Alvarez also. Yes, Ricky Alvarez is, is more likely to be a sub, obviously, for um, Ángel Di Maria. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all much quicker at moving the ball on, whereas Banega has to take his time a little bit more, he's a bit more. As indeed has, he's been brilliant for Newell's in exactly that role, just retaining Since possession. In any political counter-attack, he will be, he will perhaps miss the great opportunity. Yeah, uh, we should also mention, by the way, we've not had a question about it, but I know that we'll have some listeners who are interested, because I know we have a few Sunderland supporting listeners. Um, Peter's trying to hide his disgust as a Newcastle fan, who would be saying that. Um, that Vanega apparently has been linked with a move to Sunderland as has just about every Argentine midfielder in the world I mean as weeks go that is just a kick in the balls to get kicked out of the World Cup squad and then to have Sunderland swoop in and and take you I mean steady Peter you're going to alienate a large portion of our listenership if I allow to carry on Um, my views are not those of those are kind of parts. So. Do, do we think that Eva Banega could do it at Premier League level? Let's forget the club he's playing for for a second. Yeah, I, do, I think he'd be a good signing for someone like Sunderland if I want. But isn't Premier League also a, a, naturally a, a league where is, is, speed is fast and, and Banega is, like we, we are saying... A, a, a it is, but that, I don't think that, that stops you from being able to slow it down a bit. Juan Mata does perfectly okay when he's allowed to play. I mean, he may or may not do under Manchester United's new management, but if he managed it under Moyes, then he can't. He wasn't crap for his entire spell in Spain. No, it was merely that uh, his uh, <coughs> slight lackadaisicalness, or, well, it was either that on the pitch or the complete idiocy off the pitch, of which there are many, many examples, <laughs> and I urge you to look up. I think uh, Ed Mallion wrote a piece on, on the Mirror website um, about the various hilarious things that Balag has got up to since moving to Valencia, which include showing his cock on a webcam within about 10 minutes of landing in Spain um, and having his Ferrari spontaneously combust on the way to training um, or what possibly possibly he set fire to it or something who knows anyway Banega's not in the Argentina squad and you've just heard the reasons why 
Uh, on that the, question of could he cut it in the Premiership, if you're talking about a team like Sunderland coming in for him, and you're going to honestly sit there and look at Sunderland's current midfield players and say, but he wasn't "Oh no, he's, this would be a the other lot point, of improvement and get out." Of, the other oh. point regarding the pace of Argentina is that let's not forget when Claudio Jacob got signed by West Brom, having not played for Racing for six months, everybody. I mean, and I obviously you weren't here, Peter. I, I don't think you were a member of the Hand of Pot team at the time either, Andres. But all of us looked at him and just thought, he's what on earth is an English club can move for Shakov for? He's barely played, and a move from Argentina to England in that particular position of all positions, it's not going to work. And look at him. Yeah, exactly. But there, were, there were semi-serious calls for him to be included in the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's how his form's been. I don't think that he would have actually merited a place, but he's, he's been very impressive in his first season in England. Um, and he's an idiot as well. I've, I've got slightly uh, less widely published um, evidence to back that up, which is more anecdotal and more personal, so I shan't uh, share it. Um, the squad in full. Why don't we go through it? Because we've got the, tea, the, the, the shirt numbers here. Slightly controversially, Lionel Messi's been given the number 10 shirt. Are you happy with this? Don't know. Uh, but the full squad is goalkeepers Sergio Romero, Mariano Anduja, Agustin Orion. Defenders Pablo Zabaleta, Ezequiel Garay, Federico Fernandez, Marcos Rojo, Martín de Michelis, Hugo Campañaro, José Basanta. Midfielders Javier Mascherano, Mascherano. Fernando Gago, Lucas Piglia, Augusto Fernandez, Enzo Perez, Ricky Alvarez, Maxi Rodriguez, E, and Angel Di Maria. And strikers or forwards of some description. Lionel Messi, Sergio Aguero, Gonzalo Miguel, Ezequiel Lavezzi, Rodrigo Palacio. There may need to be a change in this already, because now we get on to the friendly that was played on... Well, it's Thursday, isn't it? Recording this late in the week confuses me. On Wednesday night... Uh, in the Estadio Monumental against Trinidad and Tobago, it was a 3-0 victory for Argentina. It would have been a 7 or 8-0 victory for Argentina if the strikers hadn't appeared to really get on quite well with the Trinidadian goalkeeper and decided they didn't want to embarrass him because uh, they missed all kinds of chances during the first half. It was ridiculous. Um, Rodrigo Palacio picked up... Well, Martin Demichelis picked up a knock to his ankle, which was just a knock. Apparently he got kicked in it. It flared up a bit. He's going to be kept out of the Saturday friendly as a precaution, but he'll be fine. Uh, Rodrigo Palacio is a bit more of a worry. Um, it says here, there it is, uh, that his recovery time is going to take a little longer than was thought 24 hours ago. Um, and that he might very well not be fit when Argentina play their first match against Bosnia-Herzegovina in... The 15th. In Porto Alegre. Is it Horizonte? No, it's Horizonte. Thank you, yeah. Well, they're trading it, but Horizonte. Is that where the first match is as well? Yeah. This is the level of research that goes into Hand of Pod. <laughs> we don't know where Argentina are playing their first World Cup match. <laughs> Peter's got all of them in another window. Where is it? Oh, did I, did I close that window? Oh, bollocks. Bear with me a second, everybody. Can't get the service these days, can you? There's always some idiot fucking up the, the recording of the podcast, and sometimes it's me. Quite frequently to me, in fact. Uh, Argentina's first match is on Sunday, the 15th of June. It's in Rio de Janeiro. I'm glad I checked that now. Um, against Bosnia-Herzegovina at 1900 Argentine time. I believe Argentina and Brazil are on the same time zone at the moment, aren't they? Yes, I think. Brazil doesn't have daylight savings time, does it? No. Argentina no, and Rio definitely are, in fact. Yeah. Uh, bits of Brazil are an hour behind. But 
Um, and yeah, Palacio might not be fit for that. So whether we see someone else called up or not, I don't know. What do you think? If if we do, then who does it strike as likely to be? Any guesses? Presumably De Santo. Let's not forget, it doesn't have to be a, a player from inside the 30 that was initially announced. So I thought Franco De Santo is not going to be. Well, involved. I think if it's, t- if it's touch and go that he's going to miss this the first game, given that he's not even a starter, then I don't know whether they're going to see that as crucial to call someone else up. The phrase that Peter just used, since um, we may have non-native English speakers and indeed Argentines listening to us, I'd just like to clarify for them that touch and go, unlike the the way in which for some reason Argentines like to use it, does not mean a one-night stand in English. Um, It means we don't know whether he'll be fit in time or not. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Uh, But yeah, you're quite right. I'd like to stress that I didn't mean that. Yeah, but in, if it's that case, um, then I don't know if they're going to feel the necessity to call someone else up because, like you said, in, in the in the thirty squad, the, the extra striker was Franco De Santo, who obviously in no way would be a like for like replacement with no. Palacio, which would mean they were calling someone from the. The next question to ask. Well, sorry to sort of head know. you off just as you were petering out, Peter. <laughs> I'm going to claim that pun as deliberate, but I don't think it was. Um, is Andres, you're Argentine. I presume you're going to be supporting Argentina during the World Cup. I think, yes. Do you... I've started that question in a manner that I shouldn't have started it in because it doesn't make any sense. I shall rephrase. How happy are you with the Argentina squad? Because we've had a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, this is rubbish, now the squad's come out, they're not going to make it past the quarter-final, they're dreadful, they've got no defence, blah, blah, blah. And we've got some other people saying, well, it's not really that bad. Apart from, of course, I, not because I want, but the player of the people, Davis. Who, who else is, for example, really uh, in, in order uh, uh, that you, you, you say, well, call him and he will be ready to play and he have, will have proved skills to, to, to be in the World Cup with no previous calls up? Because uh, you have to say, if, for example, Palacio is injured and he can can, can play against Bosnia, and you have to worry uh, to 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 play uh, to call up a player rapidly, uh, I think that there is there are no players outside the the, the, the list of 23 that re- can really replace the ones that are in the list. So mm. I don't think uh, if if the, the ones that say that this the list is rubbish and that, that we won't uh, uh, qualify to I know the finals, semi-finals, uh, it's, I think it's repeated like before every World Cup that they, there is like a lack of confidence, but I think it's not, a, there are no arguments in order to explain that not lack of confidence, because of course you can say that uh, Argentina against Trinidad and Tobago didn't play, if they had to score eight or nine goals, but they have also to 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 be uh, to to be careful about the, their physical form, as you said. Well, Palacio perhaps even didn't will, will be able to play against Bosnia. The Michelis had a single knock, but uh, they had to to carry to be careful about that also, not about the only about the scoring goals and and, and, yeah. and winning, uh, but to to keep some pace. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm becoming increasingly, however, assuming everyone wants to fit, assuming the, the, the full 11. The full 11 is going to be something like a 4 3 3. Romero in goal. Right to left across the defence is going to be Sabaleta, Garay, Fernandez, Rojo. Three in midfield from right to left Gago, Mascherano, Di Maria. Three across the front from right to left Messi, Iguain, Aguero. The only really weak point in that, genuinely weak, is Marcos Rojo, left back. And even he isn't as bad as. I mean, he's rubbish going forward. He arguably doesn't need to be that good going forward because he's got Di Maria in front of him in midfield. Um, and I'm becoming increasingly of the opinion that really, as long as Fernandez doesn't have a nightmare, you're okay. I mean, Romero is perhaps not as good a goalkeeper as, as Cavachero, for instance. He's not bad. He's, he's very rarely cost Argentina. I can remember him making one real howler, and that was in the match they won 5-2 away to Paraguay, where he threw one of them into the net. But the ones that criticise Romero, which had their... He, he has, obviously, he's not playing his, time, and that's, that's a legitimate he, concern, but he, he's never really... He had his mistakes, but what do you want? to Romero to save... Uh, have brilliant saves, or Romero not to have any any save. I w I prefer him to be a spectator, to be, to watch the match because Argentina attacks all the all the match, and not to have uh, Romero as the, as the as the man of the match. Yeah, and the other really big thing, as we saw, uh, we're not going to go into too much depth on the Trinidad and Tobago friendly because it doesn't really merit too much. It was a friendly that was set up for a, a big win. Um, this is without meaning to disrespect any any listeners from that. Um, that's what the AFA do before World Cups, before the last one. It was Canada, and it was such a dull match that I genuinely can't remember whether I was at it or not. It was a 5 0 win, um, and that was it. Um, the other, the, the, the other one thing that, that was very noticeable was that there were a couple of times during the first half when Argentina didn't have their shooting boots on, but when Trinidad and Tobago managed to win a corner, the corner got taken. And, I mean, literally within 10 seconds, Argentina had almost scored a goal. Within 10 seconds of a corner, and the other end of the pitch being taken. This is how quick the attack is. Um, and that's going to put the fear of God into a lot of teams, because it's one thing going against Trinidad and Tobago, but it's something they've also done regularly in competitive matches during the qualifiers, and also in, in the friendlies that they've played against the big European nations, almost every time. And a corner for the opposition <laughs> converted almost into an Argentine goal. Um, and they're going to be something to watch in the World Cup and, and I think that they've got the potential regardless of worries over the defence how optimistic do you feel as a, as a fan of the the answer is the same as, as I think it's simple it's, we depend on Messi when uh, we apologise for the knocking in the background Palacio if he recovers which, who uh, uh, the time he was in the field <laughs> Someone's nailing up a picture or something yeah, on the camera. The time that Palacio was in the pitch, he showed great, great performance. So we depend on them. Uh, we want. Sorry, myself and Peter are tr struggling not to laugh because Andres is deliberately pausing and trying to let them carry on hammering and then they don't. When Andres starts they, talking again, they got worried. They got worried. It's like about. the dog at my place. It's ridiculous. Why are you more worrying if you have a Indeed. We want Zabaleta, Fernandez, Garay, and Rojo not to have a much work. We mm. want 
basically why in aware of the Maria to have more action so that the defenders are, are, are have the less work uh, the, yeah. the, the less possible work and in fact to that end it's, it's worth uh, pointing out that bloody hell that's loud that Joel and I um, went for a couple of drinks with an English journalist a few nights ago and we're talking tactics and uh, one of the things that, that we sort of Realised with him discussing some of the tactics in the main European nations is that Argentina are quite likely to be pressing, ironically, really, when you look at the difference between the Argentine league and European leagues. Argentina are likely to be pressing higher up the pitch than a lot of the European nations, partly because Sabella is so concerned about the strength of the defence relative to, to the other parts of the, um, the site, whereas the European nations are likely to sit back a little, well, not, not just the European nations, but a lot of the other uh, nations at the World Cup. Um, and like sit back a bit more and try and hit people on the break. Argentina are going to be hitting on the break, but they scored a lot of goals during qualifying from balls that were won in the opposing half in midfield without letting the ball get to the defence, and that's likely to be how they set up. We're going to go into more depth on the Argentine national team anyway next week, as I say, on, on Tuesday. Um, so for now, here's a little bit more music, and we will come back and answer some listeners' questions. Don't go anywhere. to fly the nest in the Argentine league. Luciano Vieto, Eder Alvarez Balanta, I managed to pronounce his name very peculiarly there, but you know who I mean. Or Leno Hangioni, or, or etc, etc. Yes. Who's next up at all? Well, I guess, I guess we mentioned it. Yes, in passing earlier. With, well, with Racing, potentially, Mancini and Balanta could be... I think if I was River, not Racing. So, sorry, I was looking at the... So it's, yes. uh, looking at Twitter and confusing but yeah with, with River those two could very well be off this this window and then with Vieto we mentioned last time that uh, was that not in, involved in the, the battle deal that they have no Vieto, Vieto I think actually is, is going to be going back so I'm pretty sure that Racing have had Vieto on loan if they're not from Sporting no, Viola Every damn time, every single podcast I get those two mixed up. It's the VI beginning to the surname that, that does it. I no, apologise if Valencia Viola, you're listening to this. But the end, didn't, didn't Valencia purchase the first, uh, first refusal on the end? Uh, that could be, yeah. They in, in first refusal on a couple of players, yeah. Um, so, but, uh, who knows? I don't, know. I don't know if Valencia have a new owner, don't they? And more, more money, and whether they'll. Quite possibly. Activated this summer. Yeah, address. Yeah, I think Alvarez Valenta and Lucini are, are the most possible players in order to to live and, and they've they've just been playing in the title winning side as well, which always perks interest up a bit. It's also worth mentioning of course that Mauro Sarate, since we last recorded, has confirmed his transfer to West Ham. The mind boggles about how he's gonna fit into an Allardyce team. Him and um, and uh, Carol are gonna be quite some combination, aren't they? Um, it's also worth um, I read that Joao uh, Simeone is looking at um, Rui as a replacement because uh, interesting 
We've been going on and on and on about Argentine goalkeepers for ages in the league, and it would appear that Mr. Simeone has listened to us. That's probably what it is. I like, hope he's not also listening to me insulting his managerial <laughs> abilities after winning didn't, titles previously. Didn't he, he think about his son to replace Diogo Costa? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that. That's the kind of thing. I think he's got to replace Diego Costa with Teo Gutierrez, right? And they're both completely insane. Teo Gutierrez, by the way, has been handed the number nine shirt for Colombia's World Cup squad, which is left vacant by Radamel Falcao Garcia. So River Plate chests can swell up with pride at that news. River, sorry. Colombian balls shrivel. Well, of course. <laughs> River supporters may want Colombia <laughs> to reach finals against Argentina, of course, because if Colombia uh, advances to uh, advances to I know quarterfinals, semifinals. They will uh, get money in order for for the players that are playing the World Cup and uh, belong to River in this case. So Alvarez Balanta and Teo Gutierrez, which are in the Colombia squad, uh, River will be, will be receiving money from FIFA mm. uh, for them to to uh, according to the days they, that they spend there in, in Brazil. So. Uh, just going very briefly back to Scott's question about players like to move to Europe if Lanzini does go for the, the $10 million fee that we mentioned earlier on in the podcast that in the standards of modern Argentine football is mega bucks so you might well see River splashing the cash a little bit and getting the Michel Arias nickname back this, this uh, winter Yeah, um, I mean how much was Correa's move to which is another one which went through since we finished them not 10 million, I think. No, no, I mean, that, that was a transfer which went through since... We yes, yeah, it has done. Um, Nine or eight million euros? I don't know why I'm looking at the San Lorenzo page. I'm going to scroll back through a whole load of, of pages, I would think. Anyway, uh, a lot is the answer. Um, Less than 10, but more than five. Yes. Seven? Seven sounds about right. <laughs> yes. Was it seven, no, yeah, seven million... Euros, it might have been so six million dollars, eight million dollars, or something like that. Pretty good, a pretty good deal, I thought. Right. Uh, yes, nice to steal if he if he turns out to be. Uh, at least eight million dollars is uh, is near the amount that uh, Rio needs uh, as as income uh, to income uh, uh, to be more um, liquid. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matthias Silverstein has a couple of questions. He says, who was the last manager for Argentina to manage in two World Cups? Um, Saavedra is out regardless of the outcome, right? Who's next in line? Martino. Last manager to take Argentina to two World Cups would have been Carlos Pilato, wouldn't it? Yeah. 94 was, was Basile, 98 was Passarella, 2002 was uh, Bielsa, yes. uh, 2006 was Pekeman, 2010 was the man whose name should not be spoken in managerial terms. Um, so yeah, uh, Basile in 1986 and 1990 is the answer to the first question. Next in line is Martino. Yes, um, nodding our heads vigorously here. Uh, as to whether Savela's out regardless of the outcome, if he wins it, then I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. But if he doesn't, then almost regardless, of, even if they lose the final by a goal in the 98th minute... Um, I, I, I can say for sure that he will stay even even winning the, the World Cup because of the all, the all all the energy that you might or must put in order to to uh, to be the coach of a, a national team. Not because Argentina, not not of that Argentina, of course, requires a lot of of energy and, and it's very 
this the stress is, is unavoidable. I don't I don't say I don't I can't say for sure that he will he will remain if even if he wins the the World, the World Cup. Sorry, I just thought a very smart ass answer yes. to the um, first of his questions as well. Which was the best question? Who was the last Argentine to manage in two World Cups? Ah, oh, no, Passarelli didn't do it. So, uh, the other, just an interesting little bit of trivia here is that the last, the way that Matias has phrased the question, I thought I was being smart ass here by saying Passarella, but it's not Passarella. Um, the last manager for, oh, he's actually said the last manager for Argentina, so it doesn't count, but the last Argentine manager to manage in two World Cups would be Ricardo Lavolpe, I think. And astonishingly, neither of them were managers of Argentina well neither of his two were managers of Argentina or possibly Bielsa no Bielsa Chile it's Argentina and Chile manager yeah. yes. um, so there you go Matias has a second question he says an expatriate since 1986 I like the Brits can Argentine fans find a replacement for Elkin or South Day soon English and how does Sam feel about it the first thing I will point out is that Peter is also English uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the quote El que no means whoever's not jumping is an Englishman and it is very frequently got out um, during Argentine national team matches um, accompanied of course with the entire stadium jumping up and down um, I don't particularly mind it myself I have joined in on occasion before learning the origins of this chant um, and it's often, as well, it must be said, it, it, uh, the English bit is often substituted for whichever team they happen to be playing against. You also hear it at club level okay, with Rick so exactly, yes. chatting against Boca or, or whoever. Um, Andres, do you know how it came about? I really don't. It's something to do with dead soldiers in the Falklands War, apparently. Whoever's not jumping is an English because they shot them. Um, I, I thought which is was, ironic considering the outcome of the I, I thought it had not more to do with like, 1986 uh, that was where it first sort of yes. came about yeah and I, it might have also been to do with the, the hooligan battle before England Argentina and, and because Maradona had to jump in order to get the, the ball with the hand oh really okay I know perhaps the multiple levels on which Argentine chants work um, Peter are you at all bored? how do I feel about it yeah I know that Joel takes. Uh, Joel doesn't take offence, but I, I've been at matches with Joel where it's, it's started up, and Joel has resolutely remained in his seat. In fact, he was the person who told me that it's borderline xenophobic. <laughs> it's not just a friendly sort of. I, I guess it's a little bit awkward if you're English hmm. I, in a stadium when thousands of people around you are chanting that, and you left with the the option of joining in and jumping in a chant against your yes. <laughs> nationality or sitting there. The thing is, no one really says anything if you just sit there. No, no. That's, it's the, it's that's the good thing. I, I do prefer the club variations on it, though. Elkin or Salta, or all the rest of it. It's, it, it's, it's the other way for... It's the other way from the Don't Cry For Me Argentina, perhaps. Uh, well, yeah, except the Don't Cry For Me Argentina was a song in a musical and yeah. isn't really meant to be xenophobic <coughs> at all <laughs> it's just a quote that sometimes gets dished out by the tabloid newspapers that's all um, Ben Adler asks any South American players that we should look out for at the World Cup in the Blanco Palermo mould i.e. national hero but unknown in Europe I think Martin Palermo would like a word about being unknown in Europe 
not very good um, in the second division this season, whereas other kind of been, as we've discussed, uh, <laughs> competing for promotion with Independiente. Um, the Copa Sudamericana, the draw has been made. River Plate got a cruise in one of the qualifiers. I don't know who the other um, qualifying thingies are. Let's see whether those are up anyway, shall we? Copa Sudamericana. We, the Argentine sides have been drawn straight into the oh bloody right straight into the second phase. This is the handbook pod relevant question. Got a cruise against River Plate, starting on the third of September. Uh, Rosario Central versus Boca Juniors. That's the first leg to be played on the fourth of September, and Gimnasia versus Estudiantes <laughs> on the 2nd of September. No pressure for that La Plata derby then, just a place in the Copa Sudamericana at stake. Um, those are all early September, so thank you for that question and thank you very much for reminding us about it, Liam. Um, he also says, I'm surprised that Ramon Diaz called it a day at River. Does him going change anything regarding returning local players, loan players, sorry, for example, Tresegate and Mora? <coughs> it does indeed. Particularly Tresegate. Tresegate was... Uh, loaned out because he didn't get on with Fernando Cavanaghi, supposedly, um, and because Ramon Diaz was a big friend of Fernando Cavanaghi, and, well, Rodolfo Nanofrio pretty much said before Ramon Diaz left that Tresegate's coming back on loan and he's going to play, because River, while he was at Newell's, were paying three quarters of his wages still, which was ridiculous, yes. particularly when he was actually playing against River in two of the matches, the loan didn't specify that he wasn't allowed to play against them. Um, Rodrigo Mora... Apparently the option that uh, who was it who took him on was it Universidad Católica? Um, yeah, Universidad de Chile. Thank you. Yes, um, always got the best up. Uh, Rodrigo Mora apparently Universidad de Chile didn't exercise the the right to buy him, uh, <laughs> in spite of his spectacular bicycle kick when <coughs> his debut. Um, in so his we'll in his debut, uh, apart from uh, being spectacular, it was his first very first match. Yeah. So, yeah. So we shall see, but yeah, it definitely changes the dynamic as far as some of those players, uh, particularly the kind of bigger names who in some cases were loaned out specifically because they either competed with Diaz or they competed with players who Diaz was friendly with. Um, Kavanaghi, I think, is quite likely to have been told that he's got to get on with Tresegay or else. Right? It, it was said today that uh, in case... Well, they will, of course, have to meet with Gachardo and see what he wants. And this is the other thing. Sorry to interrupt, Andres, but of course, Gachardo was a teammate of Tressegate at Monaco, and yes. uh, apparently they've maintained the friendship since, although they haven't played together in the same team since then. Yes, and they go say that he wants, uh, in case that he River uh, have to 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 sign a, a, a players for the attack, that he wants uh, another uh, again, uh, La Gala Fernandez again in River at River and. Uh, Gaston Fernandez and uh, Figueroa, Victor Figueroa from News. Interesting, yeah. No, no, that Gachardo. Gachardo wants them to 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 be for to play for River in case that they have to to sign attack players. I see. Victor Fernandez is a player I'd be considerably more happy about than Gaston Fernandez. Sorry, Victor Figueroa. Yes. This Fernandez getting to me this evening. It never normally does during hand pod recording, of course. Um, Albaina, that's the Twitter uh, username. I normally just read out the names, but unfortunately this one's in Arabic script, so I apologise for not being able to read it. I'm imagining it says Albaina, though. Um, asks, how bad is Palacios' injury? And can Enzo Perez steal Gago's starting spot by the knockout stage? Uh, we've already answered the Palacio one, of course, during the, the course of the podcast. He's probably not going to make the Bosnia match, apparently, but um, hopefully he'll be kept in the squad and will play subsequently. 
um, ends up Perez stealing Gago's starting spot by the knockout stage. It's going to depend on whether Gago breaks down injured. Yeah, exactly. The reason that Gago's in the starting eleven, almost regardless of his Boca form, is quite simply that for Argentina he looks like a different player entirely, and he links up so well with Messi. He, he knows exactly where Messi is at every given time. He knows exactly how Messi wants the ball played, and as a result, the second Mascherano gives it to him. It's on to, it's on to Messi. And that's, something, that's something something remarkable because he plays far more better in a friendly or or, or whatever. I, I remember. Uh, uh, giving a very good assistance uh, for Messi uh, when they played against Chile uh, mm. in, in Chile, and he 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 does that sort of, of things in the national team. And when he plays for Boca, incredibly, he his performance went very went back uh, very very uh, went down very down. So you kind of wonder to what extent that is just the fact that for the national team is surrounded by such better players. Yeah. You know, for for the national team as well. The other thing is that for the, for Boca, he's being asked to do a lot more. Yeah, exactly. For Boca, he's being asked to create the play in, in the way that you know he used to be able to do, but it, with that, with age. But we knew it's lost. But for the national team, it's very yes. simple. You yeah. get the ball, you either win it Maybe. yourself or you get given it by Javier Mascherano or by Ezequiel Garay. You look for Sabaletti if he's on the overlap, or more often than not, you look for Messi and you give it to him. That's all you've yes. got to do, and he's superb at it. Yeah, it's exactly. That's what it is. I think. The difference being uh, with Barker is like sitting in the centre of midfield. He has to do anything, everything. Exactly. Exactly. Win the ball, like start attacks, make chances, completely everything. Even more so when he was when he looked absolutely crap in Raquel's absence because he literally was the sole presence in the centre of midfield. Pushed forward into number ten position. Yeah, and it was like okay, now what? You literally do everything in the middle of the field. And in Argentina, it's, it's just a, a simple, simple but very but what he does very effective role. So in short, Enzo Perez unlikely to steal Cargo's starting spot unless there's an injury, in which case Biglia would appear to be the, the number yeah. one replacement as they he replaced him on Tuesday on, on Wednesday against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, but Perez is is very much third choice in that role. But you know, it, a lot will depend on Cargo's fitness. Um, and the final question of the evening is from Will Dalton who asks, to what extent will San Lorenzo's squad be intact for the Libertadores semi-finals? Correa's gone, Piatti looks like he's gone, Romagnoli and others are all potentially off. Uh, the first thing to point out is that Correa, although he's confirmed as having signed for Valencia, um, that's the second time I've done that, I did that on Twitter as well, thank you Peter, for Atletico Madrid, um, has been told by Diego Simeone that... Uh, that he'll be allowed to play in the Libertadores semis, and if, I, if uh, Argentina, if San Lorenzo reach the Libertadores final, uh, he will presumably be allowed to take part in that as well. So he's not going to be such a miss. The and, others. And Rob, uh, Rob, Rob uh, said today that he will uh, send on, send perhaps he will perhaps be sent on send on loan to to Russia Vallecano in order to okay. to play minutes. Rayo Vallecano, in order to, to play mini, more minutes than that, that supposedly he will play for Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, well, Piatti's not gone anywhere for the moment, he's got a few offers, apparently Montreal Impact are the, the main um, 
competitors for his signature. I'm just trying to find an elegant way of ending that sentence, and I couldn't. Um, so he's not gone anywhere for the moment. Uh, the other players I don't think have confirmed out yet, have they? Unless I've been completely out of the loop and have missed something. So it remains to be seen, and of course there is very much the, the risk that in the next five or six weeks between now and the first leg of the semi-final they could lose players um, but for the moment they're okay and as we say Cordre is definitely going to be playing in the Libertadores semis even though he's no longer a San Lorenzo player so there we are anything else to add gentlemen there is no Mystic Sound this week of course because there are no matches this weekend but what we might ask for there will be next episode to preview World Cup I think well possibly but um Do you know what I'm going to ask for? No? I'm going to spring this on him. Unexpected. You can already probably guess. <laughs> the next music you hear belongs to Mystic Peter, who's going to tell us what happens in the promotion, the two crucial promotion games. Well, you've only got to do two matches, you'll be all right. because you could beat Instituto and if Orocan win their game you're not promoted uh, if we, we're not going to lose at home to Patronato we'll be fine so I, as a result I sort of kind of want Patronato to win now just because uh, the whole country win. other than Independiente Sports wants Patronato to win but what I would say is Independiente well I'm actually I, I really hope Independiente go up because I'm hoping that if Independiente get promoted then the AFL will roll back the plans to expand the, the first yeah, division well, like, we don't need to do it now because they're up which apparently has been confirmed today right yeah they, they've said it's happening even though they still haven't decided the the um, the, the format for it yes they've confirmed the fixtures for the Torneo Transición in the Primera um All of this is stuff obviously to talk about after the World Cup because a million things can change yes. between now and then. They have already said that Independiente, if they get the promotion, will play Racing in the, in the fifth round. Yeah, they've done the fixtures saying the third place team. Yeah. So there's either yeah. there's either a Clásico with the Avicenera yeah, Clásico or a Racing. Yeah. But going back to San, uh, Independiente's uh, final game, I think given that they've effectively got to third position with a whole season of not really being very impressive, not mm. ever playing that well, and just 
yeah. grinding out enough points to be in that third position. As we mentioned before, when River were in the second division, they were never out of first and second place. Yes. Independiente ended up in Com- first and second Completely place. different. I mean, the Independiente, a few weeks ago, it was looking, it was some, such a bad run, it thought, okay, they've, they've thrown away the chance. They've just three wins on the trot, now they're in the position. And you think, well, frankly, the slip ups should have happened before. If they, if they don't win at home to Patronato, then. What was the previous result against Patronato? In the one away? Yeah. yeah, good question. Let's have a look, shall we? 1 0 to Independiente. Okay. With an 87th minute winner from uh, M. Was that the, the free kick from our own home? Oh, you're right, yeah, that was the uh, 45 yard. <laughs> yeah, like halfway down yeah, yeah. this direct free kick. From uh, Marcelo Vidal. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean frankly, if, if home game against Padrato, they were not exactly, well, they've got nothing to play for, have they? And they're just languishing above relegation. Uh, let's have a look at the Promedios. I think, I mean, I don't know. They are, oh no, they're very comfortable in fact. They're seventh in the Promedio standings, so they're in no danger whatsoever okay. of relegation. Completely safe from relegation, but completely out of any hopes of doing anything else. So, mm. surely we can. I mean, I don't want to curse this, but. No. You've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Independent, they don't stand a chance in hell of not getting promoted <laughs> this weekend, according to Handapot, resident Independent fan. Um, that's it for this week. This will be online, I'm guessing, sometime on Friday evening, Argentine time, given my normal sleeping and getting up schedule, followed by the need to edit in a one hour, 45 minutes, roughly, recording. We might have for some time, considering we have absolutely bugger all to talk about. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We will be back in your ear holes next Wednesday, talking about Argentina versus Slovenia and previewing, of course, uh, the festival of football that is to come. Uh, I can't wait. The World Cup's only a week away and I'm not going, but I'm really excited about it. Close enough. You can taste it. Almost. <laughs> Mostly I can just taste it. <laughs> we, we feel the World Cup environment here. It's yeah. Um, I've still not decided what Hand of Pods plans are during the World Cup, by the way. We're, we're going to out a few feelers and see whether we can do some, some stuff but uh, I'm not going to promise anything just yet but next week we will definitely be, be back so come and listen to us on Wednesday for now we hope you've enjoyed this episode thank you very much as ever for supporting us uh, and it's goodbye from Andres thank you bye goodbye from Peter goodbye if I'm not on next Tuesday it's because independent day haven't been promoted and you've been crying yourself and I'm just avoiding coming on here after that the guilt of yeah exactly after you saying guaranteed and yeah I'm not going to go on Um, and it's goodbye from me goodbye